We come now tonight to chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, where Peter writes, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, help us tonight. Speak to us through this passage powerfully and help us to leave prepared and desiring and able to resist the devil. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Danger. We've all seen those signs with those six letters, D-A-N-G-E-R, written large and in all caps, warning us of some hazard to beware of. Danger, high voltage. Danger, falling rocks. Danger, fast rising tides, and so on. And tonight we have a danger sign from on high in verse 8. Tonight we have a danger sign from God himself delivered to us through the pen of the Apostle Peter. Danger, prowling lion. Or more accurately, danger, prowling lion-like devil. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. A danger sign. That's what we have here in verse 8. And that's our first of three headings tonight. A danger sign. And God is posting this sign, of course, for the benefit of Peter's original audience, for the benefit of the believers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, and so on. And he's also posting it for our benefit as well, because the devil is our adversary too, is he not? And he still prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So let us heed the danger sign that is here in verse 8. And if we're going to heed it, let's be careful to notice what it says. Be of sober spirit. Be serious-minded, in other words. Don't frolic through life like a child on a playground. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Be watchful. Pay attention. Keep your eyes peeled and your antennas up. And why do we need to do these things? Why does Peter call God's people to sobriety and to alertness? Because there is, as it were, a lion on the prowl. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's why you must be of sober spirit. That's why you must be alert. Imagine for a moment, and it will, of course, require some imagination, but imagine for a moment that a hungry lion had lately been seen prowling nearby or around your neighborhood. How sober would you be? How alert would you be making 
your way down the street. Or if you lived in a village somewhere in Africa, let's say, how sober would you be? How alert would you be making your way down the path to gather water if someone reported that they'd lately seen a lion nearby the village? That's the effect Peter is going for here. That's what God through Peter is saying to us here. The devil is like a hungry lion. Therefore, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. This isn't a game. To put it in a context that's closer to home, how sober would you be and how alert would you be going for an evening walk if one of your neighbors reported on Facebook seeing a vicious-looking pit bull roaming up and down your street? And how sober should you therefore be and how alert concerning your adversary, the devil? This is what Peter is getting at, what God is getting at with us here. How sober, how alert should you be given the nature of your adversary? And the devil is our adversary. He is against us. Because we belong to and are made in the image of God, whom the devil hates, the devil is against us. And for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who belong to God in that special way, and who are thus having the marred image of God restored in us, the devil surely opposes us all the more on those counts. He's against us. He is our adversary, the devil. And says Peter, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he might induce to abandon the faith or whose running of the race he might be able to cripple or whose testimony he might damage or even ruin. He was seeking to devour Peter's original audience through the suffering that they were undergoing, verse 9. He was seeking to devour them through the persecution they were facing, the slander, chapter 2, the reviling, chapter 3, the maligning, chapter 4, that they were facing for Jesus' sake. That's how the devil was seeking to eat them up. And that's one way he seeks to devour church folks in other generations as well. And in some places today, he brings about persecution and or he takes advantage of persecution in order to perhaps get some folks to renounce the faith because it's bringing them so much trouble. And in order to maybe get some other folks to go into a bit of a shell, to hide their faith, to not run as hard after God, maybe, or not be as faithful to God, maybe, because it's painful to do so. So your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you must be of sober spirit, therefore. You must be on the alert, therefore. You mustn't be caught off guard by his schemes in this regard, in in this regard of persecution. You mustn't be caught off guard by his method of attempted devouring that he's using with Peter's original audience. He may seek to devour you in that same way by persecution. But nor must you allow yourself to be caught off guard by other means that the devil may use in an attempt to devour you. 
So for one, you mustn't allow yourself to be caught off guard by how your adversary, the devil, may seek to devour you, not by persecution, but by bringing about and or taking advantage of fear or anxiety or depression in your life. Here's another way in which our adversary seeks to cripple us in the midst of the Christian race, to slow us down in the midst of the course. He wants us to be afraid and anxious so that we'll be too nervous to step out and serve God in certain ways that are fearful to us. He wants us to be, some of us, anxious and or depressed so as to keep us focused on our own troubles instead of looking away from ourselves so that we'll serve other people for, his, for Jesus' sake. The devil wants us depressed as well so as to try to coax us to doubt God's kindness to us. And so be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour by means of fear anxiety, and depression. And you mustn't be caught off guard by schemes in this regard either. Nor must you allow yourself to be caught off guard by how your adversary, the devil, may seek to devour you by means of temptation. The devil may seek to devour you by persecution. He may seek to devour you by depression or anxiety or fear. But he may seek to devour you by temptation, by tantalizing you with things like sex or money or career advancement, or power, which can become so appealing to you that you will severely damage your Christian testimony in an attempt to get them. Or he may seduce you with money, or possessions, or success, or entertainment, such that you just become distracted from seeking God's kingdom, from running the race that is set before you. And so that you run far less distance in Christian growth and do far less for God than you ought to have done because he sucked you in with temptation. So be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour by means of temptation, and you mustn't be caught off guard by his seductive schemes. And beware of all these schemes and and other schemes as well. Beware of other ways as well that your adversary, the devil, might seek to devour you. He is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be of sober spirit, therefore. Be on the alert, therefore. Here is a danger sign from on high. Let's be sure we heed it. And then let's notice that not only does the passage post for us a danger sign, but it also issues to us a call to resist. A call to resist. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith. Resist him. Don't acquiesce to the devil's schemes. Don't just roll over and allow yourself to be eaten by the lion. Resist. Scratch and claw and kick and fight just like you would do if an actual lion leapt on you. Or if a pit bull began trying to maul you in your neighborhood. Resist him. Firm in your faith. And that second part is the key. It's the how-to part of the command. Resist him. Resist the devil, 
by being firm in your faith. Resist the devil by trusting God firmly. And part of the meaning there is surely resist the devil by firmly trusting God for the strength that you need for doing so. Resist the devil by firmly trusting God for the strength that you need to resist the devil. Surely that's part of what is meant by resist him firm in your faith. But then resist him firm in your faith probably also connotes resisting the devil by trusting God in the very areas in which Satan is seeking to undermine you. Resist the devil's schemes against you by trusting God in the very areas where the devil is trying to attack. So, when the devil is tempting you by means of persecution, tempting you to just stay out of trouble by walking out on Christianity or by putting your light under a basket or by just dialing your zeal back a little bit or not taking the stands for God that faithfulness requires that you take, when the devil is tempting you in these ways to just stay out of trouble and avoid persecution, resist him by firmly trusting God in what he says in verse 10. Resist the devil by firmly trusting God that the suffering that the devil is trying to get you to avoid will only last for a little while and will soon give way to wonderful blessing. And if you trust God that that is true, you will resist the devil. You won't let a brief bit of suffering derail you. Resist the devil firm in your faith. And when the devil is tempting you by means of fear, or anxiety, or depression, tempting you to be too nervous to step out and serve God in certain ways that are fearful for you. Resist him by firmly trusting that God, who wants you to serve him, and who has invested his mina in you, Luke 19, so that you can serve him, trust that this God will help you to actually do the service for him in spite of whatever it is that you're nervous or afraid about. Trust God that you can do what Satan is trying to make you think you can't. And then go serve God. Resist the devil firm in your faith. And when the devil's tempting you through anxiety or depression to be so focused on yourself, to be so focused on your own troubles that you don't look away from yourself to serve other people for Jesus' sake. Resist him by firmly trusting God with your troubles. Casting all your anxiety on him, verse 7, and believing that he cares for you. And if you will resist the devil's temptations to focus on yourself through your anxiety and depression, by casting your cares on God and trusting that He cares for you, then with your worries cast upon the Lord, you can turn your attention to what God would have you do. Resist the devil by trusting God with your troubles. And when the devil is using depression so as to try to coax you to doubt God's kindness, resist him by firmly trusting what God says about his kindness rather than what you feel based on your circumstances. Resist the devil when he tries to coax you to doubt God's kindness. When he uses depression to do that, resist him by reminding yourself what God says about your circumstance or about himself rather than what you feel about your circumstances. 
Trust that God says that he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. That he is kind, even though you're tempted to doubt that. Trust God that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8. Even though you're tempted to doubt that he's working things for your good. Trust God that he demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 8. Trust God that in spite of your doubts, perhaps, that he loves you, that Christ's death on the cross proves to the contrary that he does. And trust God that he who did not spare his own son, Romans 8.32, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? When the devil is using depression to try to coax you to doubt God's kindness, trust what God says about his kindness rather than what you feel based on your circumstances. Resist the devil firm in your faith in God. And then go forward thanking God even when you're under gray clouds emotionally. Go forward thanking God for what's true even when you don't feel what is true. Resist him, the devil, firm in your faith. So we have in this passage a danger sign. In verse 8, we have in this passage a call to resist. In verse 9, firm in our faith. But then we also have in verses 9, 10, and 11, three encouragements for the resistance. Three encouragements for the resistance. Number one, you're not alone. You're not alone. Resist him, verse 9, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You're not alone. Now, the original audience that Peter's writing to here, Satan was seeking to devour them by persecution, and he's telling them, you're not alone in this. When you are slandered, when you are maligned, when you are reviled, remember that your brothers and sisters throughout the world, they're suffering this kind of thing as well. And he's not saying this. He's not saying, oh, other Christians are going through this, so quit being a baby about it. No, that's not the, that's not the idea here. He's saying... You're suffering, and so are other people. They're struggling along just like you. They're needing to trust God just like you. You're not alone. He's encouraging them. And that can be a great encouragement, can't it? When you're going through something, to know that there's someone else who's struggling with it as well. To know that you're not alone in the fight. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering, experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And that's not only true for Peter's audience, but for us too, should we undergo persecution. Some of you perhaps uh, get the Voice of the Martyrs uh, magazine or newsletter. I'm not sure which it's called, but some of you get that publication in the mail for them, and it's good to move you to pray for persecuted believers, and it's good to give you ways that you can help persecuted believers. But you know, someday it might be good for you for moral support. Someday you might need it to remind you that you're not alone. 
Someday you might find yourself reading that magazine in order for God to remind you that the same experiences of suffering that you are undergoing are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world, that you're not alone. And it's not only true that you're not alone when Satan is seeking to devour you by persecution, but it's true in the other ways he seeks to devour you as well. When he's trying to pin you down and eat you up with fear and anxiety and depression, it's also true then that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Other Christians, when you're fearful, anxious, depressed, other Christians are suffering in that same way as well. And there's comfort in knowing I'm not alone. And the same is true when Satan seeks to devour you with temptation. I'm not the only Christian in the world who's being wooed to achieve success in ways that are unfaithful to God. I'm not the only Christian out there who's being seduced by pornography or to fool around with my boyfriend. I'm not the only believer who is tempted to be addicted to my smartphone. I'm not the only follower of Christ who, for whom the lure of having stuff and more and more stuff threatens my focus on the Lord God. This is not a suffering so much, but it's still true. Peter's talking about suffering um, being experienced by others, but temptation is as well, isn't it? Your brethren who are in the world are having the same experiences of temptation. That's one encouragement for your resistance of the devil. You're not alone in it. But then a second one is this. Suffering will soon give way to wonderful blessing. Verse 10. Suffering will soon give way to wonderful blessing. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. If the devil's attempts to devour you entail your suffering, know that your suffering will soon give way, verse 10, to wonderful blessings. And I think the blessing Peter is referring to here is blessing to be received in eternity for two reasons. One, because Peter refers to the God who will bless us as the God who called you to his eternal glory, which is at least a hint that that eternal glory is where we will receive the blessings that Peter goes on to mention, perfection, confirmation, strength, and establishment. And then I also think Peter's The blessing Peter is referring to is blessing that we'll receive in eternity because part of the blessing is that God will perfect you, which is a blessing that we will receive in glory. So it it may sometimes be true that our sufferings will end in this life and will be followed in this life with confirmation and strength and establishment in this life. But it would appear that what Peter is talking about here is God confirming, strengthening, and establishing us in the next life, in his eternal glory, where he will also perfect us. And that eternal glory and the blessings that will come there, it's all only a brief while away, he says. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace 
will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And though Peter speaks here of suffering, the same is true of the temptation with which Satan sometimes seeks to devour us. It will soon be at an end as well. After you've been tempted for a little while, the God of all grace will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How long is a little while? Well, a little while may mean years sometimes. Years of persecution. Years of struggling with anxiety or depression or fear or temptation. But you see, in the grand scheme of things, measured in the perspective of eternity, these things really are only for a little while. And they will soon end. Your suffering will soon end. And when it does, Peter mentions four things that God will do for his people. If you're in Christ, God will do four things for you, Peter says. These aren't the only things, but four things that God will do for you when your suffering ends, when you reach the eternal glory. One, he will perfect you. There will be no more sin in you, in your nature or in your actions. He will confirm you. Satan may be trying to get you now to turn your back on Christianity, but there will be no question in the eternal glory as to whether you will endure to the end. God will confirm you. He will strengthen you. There will be no more weakness for the devil or anyone else to exploit. And he will establish you. There will be no more wobbling or waffling in your commitment to the Lord in that day. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Suffering will soon give way to wonderful blessing. And all this is an encouragement to your resistance of the devil, an encouragement not to give in, but to keep scratching and clawing and kicking and seeking not to be devoured. And then there's a third encouragement. You're not alone, verse 9. Suffering will soon give way to wonderful blessing, verse 10. And then the third encouragement, verse 11. God has dominion. God has dominion. The God of all grace, verse 10, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here's the deal. The devil is seeking to devour you. And he's strong. He's he's a lion. He's lion-like. Martin Luther says, on earth is not his equal. And that's true. The devil is strong. But he does not have dominion. He's not sovereign. He's not stronger than God. No matter how much it may sometimes seem that the devil has got dominion, he does not. God has dominion. To him be dominion forever and ever. And that means a few things. It means, number one, that God is sovereign even over what the devil is doing to you. See the book of Job. Satan does not have dominion. God has dominion. And God is sovereign over what he allows the devil to do to you. 
And the fact that God has dominion means that he can and he will do what he says in verse 11. The devil cannot and nor can anyone else prevent God from perfecting, confirming, strengthening and establishing you and bringing your suffering to an end because God has dominion. He's in charge. He will do just what he says he will do in verse 10. And the fact that God has dominion means that he can strengthen you for the task of resisting the devil, which is one of the things you must trust him for. And all of this is to encourage you in the resistance, to encourage you not to give up, not to roll over, not to give in to Satan's attempts to devour you, not to give in to temptation, not to give in to depression, not to give in or give way to anxiety or fear, not to give in when you're persecuted. God has dominion and he will help you. He will help you now. He will help you later, verse 10. And he has control over everything that the devil does. He has control over what the devil can do to you. And so there is strength for the fight. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen.